familiar with what you hear. So by the time you're born, you kind of already have a connection, right? So if you hear mama's voice, you know, which you're going to hear, right? Because that's who you're a part of. So if nobody else, you hear mama. And if dad is an active part in the light, you know, you know, then you'll hear, we hope, right? But that's a whole other lesson that you can use for men's ministry, so on and so forth. But, but the senses are already engaged. They're actively engaged before you even enter into the world. Okay? But when you're born, then all these other senses start taking place, right? Start becoming engaged. So, ultimately, all of these members of the head, focusing on the head, affect our behavior. Starts from before you even enter into the world, and it continues on. All right, so let's talk about the eyes just for a little bit. Now, I was doing some research on the eyes, and, I, you know, it's, a, it's, it's very interesting to me that your eyes are, they, they grab so much. When you, you know, most of us can see, I know some of us wear glasses. I need reading glasses that I don't wear. But you capture images with your eyes, right? Just doing a little research about how the eyes work, the human eye works, it's, it's pretty fascinating. To look at the fact that the, there's a clear coating on the front of your eye, it's a tear. So it's pretty cool. But that tear helps focus your light, the light that comes into your eye. The first thing that they tell you is that it's impossible to see without light. So it is amazing. You know, I was talking about uh, kind of when we went to uh, Rochester last night, or excuse me, the other night, talking about how God prepared everything, put everything in place before he put us here, right? The first thing he did was say, let there be, not that God needed light to see because he's the source of light. But he provided the light so that we could see. So it's pretty awesome, right? So we have that light. And the way he constructed the eyes, you know, there's a few areas that it goes through. The cornea and the, you know, you got the retina and you got all that. I mean, the way it's, it's built, your eyeball is built and designed. All of those things work together to focus the light. Because the light is bouncing off of the objects that you see, and then as a result, it creates an image that's actually sending a signal to your brain. It's almost like a computer, but it sends a circuit to your brain so that you recognize what it is that you see. You interpret what you see. Now, I'm, I'm just kind of telling you in a few sentences to try to paraphrase, and I'm not even... You know, there's a whole lot of scientific terms, biological terms that they use. But, I mean, just in a nutshell, that's what it's doing. So your eyes are like cameras. That's pretty cool. I, I thought it was fascinating. You know, just, just doing some of the research for, for some of these things. But the eyes are important because they enable us to see. They assist us. By giving us the ability to identify the image of something. Okay? 
So here's the deal. The eyes are only meant to receive information. Notice there's no external. You don't shoot. You know, y'all seen Superman before, you know, he shoots beams out of his eyes. He's got all these you know, abilities. But our eyes are meant just to receive information. Okay. So when you receive information through your eyes, it sends it to your brain. Therefore, it enters to you, into your thoughts. And if you dwell on those thoughts, then it becomes a part of your emotions, your desires, your behavior. It's all exhibited through that. Right? So you're like, man, why? So what are you trying to tell us? Well, then we got to be careful with what we watch, right? Our eyes are given to us for a purpose. But like anything else, if we receive the wrong things, it could damage. What do they tell you when you look into the sun, right? If you look directly into the sun, what happens? Or any bright light in that matter, right? Because the eye, the eyeball is not designed to handle all of that, right? So if we start looking at things and we start, you know, they always tell you, don't read in the dark, right? There are certain things that we should not do with our eyeballs to make sure that we maintain the health of our eyes. Certain things we shouldn't spray around, our eye, you know, without eye protection. When you're working with tools and, you, you know, whatever the case may be, you're supposed to wear eye protection, right? When we go to the range... They tell us to wear eye protection just so that we don't get any anything that comes into the eye, the dust, you know, so on and so forth. Just to scratch, you know, the hair, the eyelash. Anybody ever got an eyelash in your eyeball? Doesn't it hurt? It wasn't designed to be in your eyeball, right? Or on your eye, right? And it scratches it. It irritates it. But something as simple as an eyelash causes a lot of pain, right? A lot of discomfort. And it's the same thing spiritually. If we're not careful and we receive things into our eyes or we, we view things that we shouldn't. What did David say? I was setting no wicked thing before mine eyes, right? I'm not, in other words, I'm not going to willingly position myself to receive information that's not beneficial to me. Or, to take it a step further... Because my eyes are given to me to see, then I got to watch what I look at. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Did we talk about the shield of faith? So here's how I look at it. When you're in combat or you're in warfare, that shield is there to protect you from the, the brunt of whatever it is the enemy is trying to attack you with, right? So what do you see? The part that you see It's the shield of what? So that's what you see. And by faith, we walk by faith and not by. Right. That makes sense. I thought that was pretty cool how that ties in. That's why the Bible says looking unto Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, looking unto Jesus, who was the author and the finisher By looking at faith, in essence, that's who you're looking at, Jesus. That's why I told you before, in Hebrews uh, 11, 
Now faith is the substance of things uh, hoped for, right? Now Jesus is the substance, is the material of what you hope for. He is the evidence of the things you can't see. I thought that was cool. I just really, you know, thinking about it. So when you walk through life, you don't have to know the outcome all the time. Me and my wife, we talk about it all the time. You know, you go through situations and like, you know, there's some challenges in life or some decisions that you have to make in life or whatever the case may be. But if God is telling you to do something, he may not give you outcome all the time. Right. But if you walk in by faith, then you trust. I told a gentleman the other night, I said, faith is basically trusting God for something as if it's already done. Because in God, it is, it's already established. When God created us, I mean, this is, it's, to me, it's a powerful thing to really recognize and grasp that when God created each and every one of us, he already laid it out. Our lives are already, everything that we're supposed to get, the blessings, even the challenges. So you know what that means? When challenges come my way, it's designed for me. Right? But if I continue in faith and trust in him, then victory is designed for me too. He put the challenges in my path at that point in my life because he already equipped me to get through what I was going to go through. But if I get caught up in what I, the way it appears, I'll be ready to give up before I even start fighting because I'm looking at the wrong thing. So we have to guard our eyes. Jesus says, watch and pray that you do what? Enter not into temptation, right? Isn't that part of the prayer? Right? Lead us not. Well, if I'm following him, he's not going to lead us into temptation, right? He's not a God that tempts us of evil, right? And then he says he's not going to allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. Y'all see how this thing, it's just awesome to me. I'm like, man, this is phenomenal, you know? So if we keep our eyes on him, then everything that we have need of, everything that, you know, we're hoping for, everything we desire, seek ye first, what, the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He'll give you what? Seek and ye shall find. I mean, you got so many in there. It's too many promises that already guarantee we're, we're designed to. I always go around and sometimes when, I'm, when I feel like, man, it's just really getting tough. You know, my wife will hear me sometimes say it. And I say, you know what? Yeah, the enemy is trying, but I was built to win. I was designed to win. I have to say that and remind myself because I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So regardless of the way it appears to me, oh, I see it. I know what's logical. I'm not out of touch with reality, but there's something else that I see in faith, and I'm built to win. I know I'm going to come out. Weeping may endure for night, but joy, and I'm going to rejoice now. I'm not going to wait till the morning. I might as well rejoice now because it's already there. Amen. The ears, the ears are important because they enable us to hear. 
They assist us by giving us the ability to identify the sound of something. So, you know, again, did a little research on ears. I always like to just kind of look it up, you know, because, I mean, God designed the human body the way he did for a reason. But, again, sound waves, you know, you, you take it in. And it travels through the canal. You got your outer, you know, external, and you got your inner part. There's a little tube. Y'all know how a speaker's designed? You know, the ones with the subwoofers and all that? You know, you got a little tube that they, they make it sound deeper and, you know, kind of manipulate the sound. But you got a tube in your ear, and it travels through. Now, they say there's little tiny hairs that vibrate, and, you know, the, the louder the sound, the more they vibrate, Okay. And that helps you to hear. There's an eardrum on the inner part. There's also the, the, the bones, the little bones, finite bones that are in there. Okay. And so sound travels through. And I, what I thought was interesting, too, was that I don't know how many times my eardrum has burst, you know, flying on, you know, going on flights. But they say it, it recovers. It recovers so that you can hear again. It's, I mean, it's awesome to me when I just look at just how it works. But then it says, as you receive that, the hearing, what you hear, it sends electromagnetic, or not electromagnetic, excuse me, but it's a, uh, I forget the word to use for it, but it sends a pulse to the brain. So it, it interprets what you hear. And isn't it amazing that the science, you know, scientists have come up with a way to mimic how the ear is supposed to function? So if your ear is not really functioning the way it's supposed to, they've come up with ways to assist hearing aids. And you can and you can turn it up. I mean, you know, I, I haven't worn one before, but, you know, I've heard one squeak before, which gave me the indication it was too loud. Right. I know they got some other ones out there that are more high speed. They got it now where, you know, you've got the the little anybody ever use the translator stuff that you put in your ear and it translates as they speak. And it just. Isn't that something? So there's I'm speaking. And if you Russian. They have devices out there you put in your ear, and it will translate in Russian what I'm speaking in English. That's amazing. We receive information by what we hear. And it's a good thing, but we got to be careful with what we listen to. Or who we listen to in that matter. Right? We always talk about the music. At least I do. Because I know how powerful of an impact music has. But sometimes it's possible to hear the right thing from the wrong source. Satan is so slick. He tries to, you know, he knows the scripture. We already established this before. And he will speak something that sounds right. And since we already talked about our eyes, he'll make it look like it's right. 
what does the Bible say? He can transform himself. That's why I tell people, you better be careful when you're talking about you've seen angels. You better know what it, look, that's what demons are. So, look, you got to be careful, right? An angel came and told me, y'all remember the prophet, right? The man that was traveling, he was supposed to deliver a message. I can't remember where it's at. I always forget where it's at. It doesn't tell his name. But he went. He was supposed to deliver a message to the king. He delivered the message. And on his way back, God already told him, don't return back. You know, God gave him the message he was supposed to get, what he was supposed to do. He gave him the instructions. But on his way back, there was another prophet false prophet that told him he says well what did he tell him he didn't tell him god told him anything what did he say i'm a man of god too and an angel told me last time i checked God does have an order. And an angel don't supersede God's word. That's all well and fine. You're an angel. You're a spiritual being. But you know what? God already spoke to me. That's okay. What you're saying is not true. So obviously it's not coming from the right source. Look, I put it like this. If an angel can make a decision that gets him kicked out of heaven, then who am I to ever decide that an angel's word is more credible than God himself? So we got to be careful. Well, an angel told me, an angel came and spoke to me. I seen an angel. And I'm not, not, look, I'm not knocking it because God has, you know, he's used that. We see that. That's biblical. But you just got to know if it's the right source. We got to watch what and who we listen to. So we got to guard our ears. Because you're receiving information. And once you receive that information, it's hard to get rid of it, whether through the eyes or through the ears. Once you receive that information, how many, you know, I go to work a lot of times. And <clears throat> for the past year, almost two years, I'd go to work and there's, you know, there's a lady. Here's what's, here's what's crazy to me. Yeah, I went to work. There's a lady, she's, she claims she professed to be Christian. That's great. But then she turns on the local radio station. And the music that they're playing and singing has nothing to do with edifying God. I mean, I use my phone sometimes to just kind of, you know, figure out who's who's the artist and, and, and look at some of the lyrics that they're singing. I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is foolishness. We playing songs about we going to die young. You know, I don't even know all the lyrics to that. So I just that's the part they keep singing. I'm like, this is that's a mess. 
I ain't got money to pay my bills, but I got just enough money to get up in the club. It's foolishness. And God forbid they're saying words, you know, profanity. Y'all know the four-letter words. You hear that time and time again if you're not careful. You get so caught up at home, just be like, look, I done told you this is what's going to happen. Y'all done beep. I didn't mean to say that. Where did that come from? So like I said before, it's even worse when we willingly put ourselves in a position to hear the wrong things. If it's not of God, if it's not from God, then it's not something that we should be listening to. I mean, really, that's what it that's what it comes down to. Because we are people of who? The Bible says my sheep. Why do they know my voice? Because they're able to. In order for me to do what God wants me to do, I got to first. Faith cometh by. Right. Then he says, be ye not, don't, don't just be hearers of the word, but be ye doers. But you got to first hear it. All right. The nose is a part of the head. And I know, like, man, so how does the nose fit in? How do you, how do you, how do you incorporate that? No, I asked that question. I'm just talking about me. I asked that question. Me and my wife, we talked about it. But the nose is important because it enables us to inhale, exhale. We know that. And scientifically, it says it filters things from entering into our respiratory system, into our lungs. So once again, you receive information, right? If I were to, well, okay, I think somebody, somebody, it was a, maybe a few months ago, somebody preached about, Driving by a skunk. I think it was during a revival. I think it was Brother Malloy. But how many of us driving down the road and you see a dead skunk? And it only takes seconds. That's a strong smell. <laughs> I was at training one night and I was, you know, I think I was going to the laundromat and I had to walk back. And I seen that black and white stripe. I did everything I could to make sure I gave enough distance. I don't even want you to mistake me trying to. Your life is not in danger. Trust me. You can pass on by. But it's a strong smell. But you got to use tomato juice or something. See, I'm not even a big fan of tomatoes, so that kind of. But you can smell it, and you can tell, you can identify that this is not a good smell, right? Okay. So, like I said, it's important because it helps filter things from 
getting into your respiratory system. It assists us by giving us the ability to identify the scent of something. Here's a few questions I have for you. First of all, what scent are you picking up from others? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, what fragrance are they wearing? Some people wearing Bath and Body Works. You know, nice lotion, cologne, perfume, whatever the case may be. That's great. But spiritually, what scent are you picking up from others? Or more importantly, what scent are others picking up from you? What scent do you carry? So when people spiritually, when people walk by you and I'm talking about people in the world, too, are they do you smell like the world? It's easy to smell other things, right? Yeah, that's the world right there. Yeah, uh-huh. That don't smell too right. But sometimes it's harder to smell our own selves. I believe there was a, and I can't, again, I think this might have been at men's conference. I'm not sure, but so you said you spent enough time in that scent until you lose the ability to distinguish this is just it's the norm you carry it it's normal to you right right because in your mind you are convinced remember now receiving information right in your mind you are convinced that this is normal this is okay when you go to korea i went to korea and one of the first things they said <laughs> they told me this is hey we don't wear deodorant because Koreans older don't smell. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't stink. <laughs> that's what they told. I, I kid you not. That's what they told me. I just, you know, the only reason why I disbelieve is because I spent time around some of them, and it just, just didn't add up. You know, but we got to watch what we take in. We got to watch. We got to be able to identify our scent. You know, I did a research a while back on ants, and I was really trying to research how to kill them effectively because they kept invading my house. So I found out that, you know, they send out scouts and they, you know, go and they recon and it's about two of them. And then what they do is once they find the source, they go back. But they leave, they leave a scent trail so that the rest of the colony. And so when you see that line, they stay in that line because there's that, that's where the scent trail is. And if you mess up the scent trail, they get lost. They can't even find their way back home without that scent trail. I thought that was pretty interesting. Animals, most animals attract each other by their scent. So then here's the other question I have for you. Who are you attracting? What scent trail are you leaving behind?
We have to use our noses to ensure that we are carrying the right scent. We identify ourselves and where we stand first and foremost. So that wherever we go, when others take a whiff, they'll be able to smell the presence of God in our lives. Amen? So we're not leaving a bad scent. See, the world knows how they smell. And if you smell like them, that's why those a lot of people are like, man, just, just hypocrites, man. Because they can pick up your scent. I'm sitting here praising God, worshiping God, but I got an issue with my brother and sister. What does the Bible say? You know, God don't even be, he be looking at, sometimes we just, we kind of, you know, we get caught up in the moment. But God don't change just because we emotional. We know we got some issues. We leaving a bad scent. God still smell that bad scent. Ain't no sweet odor to him. He's like, I see what you're trying to do, but this is mixed with all that other. Can you ever try to cover up? I know, you know, young teenage boys, that's what you try to cover up your musk with, with deodorant. Don't take no shower. Just cover it up and I'm ready to go. And you go around a female and they like, <laughs> that's how it is sometimes. You know, he's just like, man, I'm trying to cover it up. Oh, you know, he's like, hey, first <laughs> go wash up. Go get that straight. We also got to be careful that we do not breathe in any harmful scents. Some scents can be damaging to our nostrils, nervous system, and the brain. Sometimes it takes, you know, Clorox, ammonia. They always put those warning labels on it. Says, "Hey, don't breathe this in." And some toxic stuff that will go straight to the brain cells and fry them. So we got to be careful. The other thing is the mouth. Don't worry, y'all. I got my timer on, so it's gonna beep when uh, when it's time for me to. Sing. All right, the, the, mouth is <laughs> the mouth is important because it enables us to inhale as well, exhale, speak, and taste. It assists us by giving us the ability to identify the taste of something. Of course, we can also use our mouths to express how we feel, what we think, and what we believe. In order to accomplish this, we must use our tongues. So, again, just finding out a little information, your tongue has, it said the average person has about 10,000 taste buds on their tongue. And they're replaced about every two weeks. But as you get older, some of them don't get replaced. So I don't know if the supply runs low or what, but <laughs> just, but the, the, the tongue contains tiny hairs that send messages to the brain about how something tastes. So you know if it's sweet, sour, bitter, or salty. And here's what's interesting to me when I look at that. Isn't it amazing that you have some people that just, they really like sweet stuff, and then some others that just really like sour stuff? So even with the information you receive, it's really about interpret how you interpret it then, right? Right? All right, I'm, I'm, I just wanted to plug that in there real quick. We have to be mindful about how we use our tongue. First of all, we've got to be mindful of what we consume. Now, I'm not getting on the natural stuff, the, the, the blatant stuff, alcohol and all that other stuff that people want to debate and say, well, it's just okay to drink a little bit. No, it's not. The wine that the Bible was talking about, you know, I love the people that try to justify 
I heard somebody say it on the radio. And I, you know, to me, it's the same thing. You got to ask, well, can I do this and still be a Christian? Chances are it's probably not something you should be doing as a Christian. Those are people that are normally trying to justify trying to incorporate their lifestyle into living for God. In other words, God, look, you going you accept this and I'll live for you. That's the approach. On my terms. Cuz I don't see nothing wrong with this. I'm a good person. Anybody heard that before? I'm a good person. I'm okay. Nothing wrong with me. So you heard you heard him too, right? But then here's what's there it is. All right. <laughs> we we're gonna use I'm gonna use this next five minutes. To open up, I want to do something a little bit different, <clears throat> and hopefully we can continue to do this because I think it's, I believe it's important. But I want to give an opportunity if somebody want to ask a question. I don't have all the answers, but Pastor, no, I'm just playing. Uh, Pastor here, he's here. I was going to say Pastor does, no, but he's here, and uh, we've got enough. Uh, people in here that are in the word of God, had experiences, testimonies, so on and so forth. But I want to <clears throat> give you an opportunity to ask a question or make a comment. Now, let me preference it with this. If you decide to make a, com- a comment, let's try to gear it towards what's going to edify God and not glorify the enemy. I say that because a lot of times <clears throat> lately in the church, not not here necessarily, but a lot of times you go places and they say testimony service and people get them and say, man, the devil beat me up. The devil's on my track. He was trying to get me down. And by the time you finish, you only said two things about what God did, but you didn't profess everything about the enemy was trying to do. And that's the content of your testimony. But who did you really glorify? So we want to make sure it's about edifying or excuse me, glorifying God. Amen. Something that's edifying to the body. So. Any questions, comments? Yes, sir. You mentioned that some people say it's okay to drink because Jesus changed the water, turned the water into wine. Could you comment on that? Um, you know, how do, we, how do you respond to people that, that um, stand on that uh, word? I'm, I'm going to say a little bit, and then I'm going to see if Pastor want to add to it. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of things that I use, and there are some scriptures there that talk about, you know, there's some scriptures that talk about not being uh, drunk with too much wine, and then it talks about not drinking at all, especially when you look at the, the, um, uh, the requirements for a bishop and a deacon and all that other stuff. Um, and really, being a bishop or a deacon does not preclude, if you're not a bishop or a deacon, doesn't preclude you from following the standard that God has set in his word. Uh, the other thing that I like to bring out a lot of times is, again, I go back to some scientific facts or whatever. When you look at the wine, 
or the strong drink that it was talking about in the scriptures versus what you're talking about now is two different things. The wine and the strong drink that they have now have so many chemicals that, I mean, they're just life-threatening just by virtue of the chemicals. If you took each of those chemicals individually, they are not meant to be consumed. Okay, so then you've got your different percentages of alcohol and wine or whatever the case may be that already when you take consume that stuff now because of all the chemicals in it, you're killing yourself. And it tells you, it puts the warning on there. Okay, about what it will do to your body, to your liver, so on and so forth. Whereas back in the day, the strong drink, they used to let the fruits ferment and they would just let them sit for a while. And after a while, you know, just kind of had that effect. But you don't get the same effects like what you do now where people just incapacitated. Um, um, what's the word? Incapacitated. Yeah, inebriated is another word I was looking for. But anyway, but. You know, an act and a fool. <clears throat> oh, does that does that answer your question in a nutshell? Like, it's a good question, and I would know because I I haven't. He says, if you drink. If they drank enough of the wine that Jesus turned in, uh, from water into wine back then, would they become intoxicated like what you would experience now? Is that a question? Well, one of the things that, that I have read is that in Bible times, they watered down the the grapes, the the wine, and they may have even carried them around in cakes, but then they could water that down to drink it. Water evidently was bad, but it was not was not the kind of thing you would become intoxicated with. I remember Paul saying to take a little wine for thy stomach's sake, a little. Yeah, so... Well, in in some in a study that I did with with myself on this subject, uh, if you look in the in the New Testament, it talks about the fruit of the vine, and so back in that day, wine could actually just be literally grape juice, just the fruit of the squeezed grape, and so that that word wine, you you kind of have to go back and do a little research on who did the translations and and what they mean. Uh, what they meant in the Greek, what they meant in the Hebrew, you know, what uh, what that actually meant. So they, in the terms of wine, it could actually be referring to just simply grape juice, the fruit of the vine. Thank you. And, and I will tell you one thing. When we look at a lot of the studies that we deal, some of the stuff that we deal with in our society now, when you talk about rape and all those other serious offenses that people, you know, that people commit um, a lot of it they trace back to alcohol but you got to understand that the alcohol that we're talking about today are chemically induced I mean there's so many chemicals if you look on the back of the label and again the difference between the fruit of the vine even if you let it ferment it's not going to bring you to that point where you're intoxicated 
and you have no idea of what's going on versus what you're because you're under chemical uh, manipulation, if you will, for lack of a better term. You're under chemical manipulation. And so the chemicals cause your body to not function the way you were designed to function. It takes over. And, and actually what it's doing is shutting down your body. So when you get drunk off of the alcohol today, you notice one of the things that you're not able to do is to respond as quickly as you used to. You know, it's part of shutting down the brain cells, part of shutting down. And then it starts to affect, again, your respiratory, okay, because it's eating away. But those chemicals, if you look on the back of it, you know, if you just look at what chemicals are, you know, involved in the alcohol that they produce today, if you were to take any one of those components and consume them by themselves, it would probably almost kill you. So then they take those things and they put it in to the alcohol or to this liquid that you get able to purchase and it's still able to kill you. I mean, let's just think if you, you know, you consume enough of it and it doesn't take a lot, you know, you can die from alcohol poisoning or whatever the case may be. But there is a huge difference between alcohol. Just scientifically, you can prove that there is a huge difference between alcohol or wine or whatever term you use back in the day in the bible days or in those days when the bible was written and now does that make sense that's a lot of what i try to bring out because a lot of times people will try to use the scripture to validate why they do what they do well when we look at the scientific facts and we look at the biblical history as brother demuth already uh, demuth excuse me brought out okay it really brings out the fact that the stuff that we have now is definitely more dangerous. It's poison, is what it is. Kills brain cells. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you, everyone. Okay, see, this is going off again, and I'm look at this ten fifteen. Amen. So we're gonna pray and close it out in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be able to come together. We thank you, God, for the word that you have given us today. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to take it to heart. Help us, O oh God, to go forward, Lord, and not be afraid. And not buckle under pressure, O oh God, but to be boldly, uh, to bold, to be bold, O oh God, and to really put on the armor that you have given us, so that we can be protected uh, in this warfare that we fight as Christians. Let your perfect will be done. Bless this service, and let you, and you be glorified in everything in Jesus' name.